Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. You know, if there is any condition that uh, exists within the heart of man, um, it is the sense of the feeling, the sense of being lonely, to being isolated, to being on our own. And you know that we live uh, in a world that is increasingly um, using social network as a means of communication, as a means of sharing their life story of, of a way of just communicating. Any of you friends with me on Facebook, you'll see the sort of things I post. You'll also notice I say very little things about church. I don't want God to be blamed for anything that I do. So I don't really talk about church that much on Facebook. And uh, so, but it generally it's sort of pictures of uh, the things we've been up to and, and all of those kind of things. And, and uh, we live in this world that has this thing, is just, has grown addicted to their mobile phone. And uh, our mobiles have become our closest friends. And um, we kind of feel like if you, I don't know how many of you here, you're going to bed at night, you, you think, where's my mobile? Or uh, I haven't plugged my mobile in. Or you're going out. It's incredible how over the last sort of 10 to 15 years, we just, we can't live without mobile phones anymore. We, we just can't do it. it. There's this kind of tension, something's missing. I, I, I might miss out on some information. I, I might not be able to phone someone. It's funny how we used to just do life without phones. And, uh, and, and now, although, it, true to say, it's a heck of a lot more convenient if you're meeting someone somewhere. And uh, I always remember as a teenager, meeting friends at certain points, right, you've got to meet at the lamppost on the end of the street, and uh, by three o'clock, I'd stand there at three, I'd be there at four. How would you know? You don't know whether they're going to turn up or not. You can't phone them. There isn't a phone box nearby. They don't have a phone anyway. It's kind of, do you remember that time? Do you remember? I remember those feelings. Terrible. And uh, mobiles have sorted all that out. But the fact is, we live in this world now that is so socially connected, and yet we have an increasingly isolated society. And it's hardly surprising. They say that, um, that uh, social network has created this very sort of narcissistic sort of society where everybody is just talking about themselves. And uh, they say that Facebook uh, and Twitter and all of those, it actually, we talk about ourselves 80% of the time when talking to our friends through social media. 80%. In a normal face-to-face conversation, we would only talk about ourselves about 30 to 40 percent. So we've gone from this 30 to 40 percent talking about ourselves, the rest of the time we'd be talking about other things or talking about our friend, there's a natural communication, but on social network, what we've done is we've created this world where we have to talk about ourselves and we want our friends to like what we say about ourselves. We, we, we go, uh, have, they, have, they, have they seen my post? Will they, will they like my post? And uh, I recently um, put a, a um, post of um, uh, myself and my friend Jim Carey uh, on, on Facebook. 
And uh, so it was a picture of me. Uh, it was a picture of me and Jim together, and uh, which I had fixed, obviously, on uh, Photoshop. And uh, we created this sort of picture where we just kind of look very similar. And uh, I was just checking, oh, look, 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 there's 120 likes, and uh, it's going up, that's good. And, uh, but it's, it's incredibly self, it's self-feeding, it's, it's, that's what Facebook, that's what Twitter is all about. It's about self. People write about themselves. Twitter, people just say, I don't really do Twitter that much anymore. Um, I find that people just say lots of things which they feel is important and the rest of the world ought to know. Uh, and most of what they say is just garbage. And, uh, and, and if it's not garbage, it's what somebody else said. And uh, so, <laughs> and it's just, it just goes around and goes around. And you find that on Facebook too. It just goes around and it goes around. And what this has created is a society that's grown addicted to self. And, and everybody look, and so people have become more lonely, more isolated in a world where they're talking to each other more. Because they need, we need more affirmation. They actually say that the, what happens in the brain, the, the, the chemical release in the brain we get from Facebook and Twitter is as addictive as heroin. From, so that sense of getting that like is highly addictive. And, um, you know, what happens in society is that we've grown addicted to talking about ourselves and thinking about ourselves and so we grow isolated and we grow lonely and then that feeds the natural the just that sense of isolation that sense of rejection that sense of I've always been rejected how many of you ever felt like uh, as a kid growing up that that maybe um, maybe you were adopted that's common, isn't it? Maybe I'm not, maybe I, you know, I, I used to believe, I'm the youngest of six. Um, my brothers uh, and I look very similar. Uh, and I used to think I was adopted. Now, there are six of us, right? I've got one brother who it has, we're all dark hair, sort of medium height, um, sort of, they're kind of palish skin. And then I've got one brother uh, who's blonde hair, he's shorter, he's, he's wider, he's just got muscles, that's something that hasn't happened in the rest of our family, and uh, he's got this sort of dark sort of uh, olive skin, he tans really well, and, uh, and he's got, and, and we all, and uh, there's me thinking I was the adopted one. <laughs> <laughs> Never occurred to him that it was me that was probably him, you know. It's like, <laughs> and uh, so, but he he could he was a a twin with my other brother who's almost the same as me. So um, so he could argue the fact that he definitely wasn't. But this this is amazing. This sense that we feel rejected, we feel isolated, we feel lonely. But you know what, God wants us to understand that He is living here with us, helping us to understand the world that He created us for. It says in the Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, John 1 and verse 1. This is a, uh, a wonderful scripture often read at Christmas time. Um, it says, John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Just in case you want to know, the word was with God in the beginning. I think we got that. <laughs> it's funny how the Bible sometimes just says it and then says it again, just in case you didn't get it. And uh, 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was, has been made. Yeah, I'm getting that too. In him, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I wanted to read all of that just to get to verse 14, which says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among, among us. You know, the amazing thing is that Jesus said, when he looked at us, he says, you know what, I'm going to go and live with them. There was a point in heaven when Jesus Christ, who is the Word, He is the Word made flesh, Jesus. And so Jesus is in the heavens. His name isn't Jesus at the time. His, his name is the Word. And He says to the Father, you know what, I think I'm going to move down under. And uh, I, I, I'm moving down under. I'm going to go and live with the boys. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to live with those who are ours, my, our children, those who um, have, uh, we have created, I am going to draw those people and I'm going to move from our, my heavenly place and I'm going to live on earth amongst men. And so Jesus, he comes and he moves, stop, lock and barrel, he takes everything and he moves onto earth that he might live with us and he may dwell with us. You know, one of the fun, funny things I think about where we live is that when you live somewhere, you want your friends to live with you. When Cheryl and I moved to Scotland, we would talk with our friends that, oh, just, you know, we're moving to Scotland. You know, why don't you live in Scotland too? And uh, we used to live in the south of England. And so, and most people in the south of England think that Scotland is frozen. In the north of Scotland, you know, it's kind of like a wasteland. And, uh, and literally, we've met some people who literally believe that come winter, it's snowing, and then it snows all winter. It's like they, they live very sheltered lives down there. And uh, so... And they would be, we'd be like, just come to Scotland. And, and we would tell our friends, because we wanted our friends to come and live with us. One of the things that I've noticed is that as I travel the world, um, I go to Denmark. And every time I'm in Denmark, people invite me to come and live in Denmark. They come and, oh, come to, move to our town, move to Denmark. This is a great place to live. It's, Denmark is a lovely place to live. But I've got a lovely place to live. <laughs> and, uh, and then we go to France. People want you to move to France. We go to Australia. People want to move, you to move to Australia. Now, I've found this. I've found that wherever you go, people want you to move and live there with them. Because they want more friends to be there with them. 
It's just natural. Now, I've invited people to come and live in Scotland. Nobody took me up on it. I, a lot of people take me, invite me to go and live in their country, in their town, go to their church, and uh, I don't take them up on it either. <laughs> but Jesus has said, you know what? I am going to come and dwell with you. The Word of God has said, I am going to live with you. I am going to dwell with you. What that means is that wherever we're living, whatever we're doing, it doesn't matter how isolated or how rejected we're feeling, Jesus has said, I'm dwelling with you. And that changes everything about our life. It changes our future perception. It changes how we look at life, it changes our opportunities, it changes the the future of our life. How many of you have found that some people are lucky and then there's you? (laughs) Do you know, uh, I remember speaking a message some years ago on on luck, how to be lucky. And uh, it's a great spiritual subject, it gets Christians going like this. (laughs) And uh, and they've discovered that, that Aberdeen is the luckiest city in the UK and uh, I don't know they, they certainly weren't taking into account weather and uh, so <laughs> but yeah so Aberdeen is the, is the lucky that there are more uh, lottery I think they're basing it on lottery as if winning the lottery is good luck I, I think it probably isn't but um, you can be fooled into thinking it is so um, so they, they, they talk about luck and you know what we found there's always somebody else who's doing better than you and uh, there are some people we, we know some there's a uh, some people in the church that just they just seem to they always win they win at board games they win they always do really well they, they get good jobs and they just and, and, and you want to trip them up as they walk past you just, oh, sorry I didn't see you there and because uh, <laughs> they just do really well and then there's the rest of us and, but this is the point Jesus said I'm going to dwell with you his word has suddenly entered our world and changed its projection. It's changed what will happen naturally if we're left to ourselves. How many of you know if you're left to yourself, the chances are you're going to be making some kind of mistakes? How many of you know that you've made enough mistakes and you're not really sure how many more you're going to make? But Jesus said, I I am the Word, and I am going to dwell with men. So in other words, He has come to move, to live amongst us, and be there for us. It says here in, in Hebrews, um, it says here in Hebrews chapter 13, and, and um, it says in verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? See here, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, look, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When, when Jesus came and he dwelt among us, he came with a place of permanence and saying, I am going to live with man, I'm living in the hearts of men. My word is being invested into their lives, and I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So, how many times do you wake up in the morning? How many times, at point of pressure, do you feel alone? It's something I've often said. Uh, I remember reading some old sort of theological books, and there was one old book. Um, 
And uh, remember reading, and it spoke about, it was the whole kind of idea that life, we have to do life alone. We have to be able to deal with ourselves on our own. All right? Because at the end of the day, you know, you can, you can have, be surrounded by hundreds of friends, but at the end of the day, it's how you relate to God that really matters. It doesn't matter whether you're single or whether you're married. When you put your head on the pillow and close your eyes, there's no one else there. It's just you. It's just you in your, with your thoughts. It's just you with what's going on in your heart. Are you with me here? And that's why people feel alone, because they, they can't deal with themselves. It's not the fact whether there's anyone there or not. It's the fact that they're struggling with their own thoughts and they feel isolated because they don't know what to do with themselves. Are you with me here? And so what I want you to understand is that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, my word has been invested into your life. And I've come to dwell with you. Now that's pretty important really because... Words are about the most important thing you can have in life. What a person says, what a person says about themselves, reveals who they are. What a person just says in general in life, reveals who they are. The language they use, the the tone that they use, reveals themselves. Some people, they reveal their own rejection. They, they, They reveal that they feel insecure just simply by the words that they say. They reveal that they, some people feel like they're a victim and they don't say, I believe I'm a victim. They just speak in such a way that makes them sound like a victim to what's going on around them. But you know what? Nobody is a victim to life because Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you give him your life, he suddenly made you lucky. <laughs> Can I reword that for those of you having apoplexy? <laughs> if you give your life to Jesus, his word is in you, you are suddenly in a place of being a champion, not being defeated. You're never a victim. You're never a victim. It doesn't matter what is going on around your world. It doesn't matter what has happened to your life. You're never a victim because Jesus is here. And the, but the words that we speak are pretty critical. They, the how we speak those words reveal our heart. But Jesus has said that I will give you words to speak. And in fact, it says in... It, it says in... Um, Matthew 10, when Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's telling them about how uh, they're going to deal with uh, difficult situations. And, and he's talking to these disciples. Now, Jesus' disciples, they're fishermen, they're tax collectors. They're not your theologically trained people. They haven't been trained with words. All right? And so they're good people. They're strong people. They, they're good leaders. They, they got great leadership capacity, or they did have eventually. <laughs> but these are men that Jesus raised to be great leaders, but they weren't trained with words. And Jesus says to them in Matthew 10, he says in verse 18, On my account you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, 
for it will not be your speaking, it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. See, Jesus says to his disciples, he's saying, listen, even when I'm not here, even when I move back and live with my Father at his right hand, I'm still never leaving you because my Spirit, the Spirit of God, is dwelling in you, giving you words to speak. How much will God give you words to speak if He gives you words when you need them at point of pressure, like being arrested? (laughs) It doesn't happen very often, but if Jesus gives you, if Jesus gives you words. How much more will he give you words to speak when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling lonely, when you're, when you're struggling with debt, when you have got difficult relationships? How much more does Jesus say, don't worry, my word lives in you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus said his word lives in you. You see, what happens is that we spend our life just simply... We just spend our life simply wondering, kind of living out of our soul, living out of our emotions, and, and, just, and just saying words. But you know what happens? God his, has invested his word into us. His word is Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the revelation of truth and hope. If we learn to speak what he would say, then everything begins to change. It says... It says um, in Proverbs, um, let me in Proverbs 18, verse 24, it says this, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, Jesus dwells among us. He said he will never leave us. Isn't that incredible? I want you to understand tonight that what God has got for your life, he has invested words himself. He is the word. He is the the manifestation of God's truth. He is the revelation of his promises. He is the fullness of God and he brings truth and invested into your life. I remember many years ago when I was studying um, with my pastors, I used to spend quite a bit of personal time with my pastors and we, they would take me through um, scripture and, and uh, they taught me things like understanding Greek and on those kind of things. I still don't, but I mean, <laughs> they taught it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. It goes on my <laughs> resume and uh, studied Greek, failed. And, uh, so <laughs> and uh, I, I remember having to learn the Greek alphabet and then try and sort of work out, well, oh, terrible. And, uh, but we used to, in all of those times, we used to study, we used to study the, the word together. And I remember just at that time getting this revelation that in my study of the Word, the Word still exists in me anyway. We must give ourselves to knowing His Word that's in here 
the Word of God. I always feel a bit of a fraud. You feel like you should have a paper one, don't you? Um, uh, one day we'll have to have um, Old Fashioned Bible Day. And we'll just bring, our, we'll bring old-fashioned Bibles to church. <laughs> it's actually just kind of like, that's kind of harking back to the good old days, isn't it? <laughs> when I was a kid, we read from real Bibles. Not like you lot. We had to look up in the index where a word was. <laughs> You just type it on search. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm really losing it now, I know, I know. <laughs> what happens is that the Word is in you, dwelling you. And I suddenly got this revelation that though I must learn His Word, learn His truth, His truth was already there. You see... When you hear truth, it agrees with something in you. That's why you know it's true. You go, oh yeah, that's true. How do you know it's true? You never heard it before. How would you know it's true? You never heard it before. How do you know it's true? Because truth is there waiting for you to receive truth, to come into agreement. See, his word, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He has invested truth in your heart. And as God, as you hear truth, the word, which is Jesus Christ, that recognition in your heart go, yes, that's true. That is revelation. That's life for me. And suddenly, we begin to understand that He will never leave us, nor forsake us. This is not an emotional, He's my friend, He'll never leave me. This is a, truth, a fact, something I can bank my life on, a rock I can stand upon in hard times, in good times, I know that Jesus is always there for me because he dwells among us with his truth that changes our world. When we speak, we speak from the heart of God as we speak life and speak faith, we begin to bring forward everything that God has planned and purpose for our lives. If you want to serve God, if you want to see God doing something amazing in your life, why don't you, right now, begin to just speak hope, speak life, speak faith, speak truth, speak with that great confession, and you will reveal not your failure, not your rejection, but you will reveal the heart of God. Every time we confess who we were, We speak about our past, but we are not here to speak about who we were. We're here to speak about what Jesus Christ has done. When we confess what Jesus has done, everything changes. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.